0: We just
1: live right now, man. It's going down, for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins.
0: On the streets of old Milwaukee was a young boy walking.
1: Somebody needs to take this mic away from you. You never need to hold it again. It's always a hater in the group. And welcome to episode 32 of the Bruhu podcast. Uh, we are Sam's Adam Paris, our overlord, just because he was coming back from traveling and was too exhausted, which is completely fair. But thankfully, I was able to have Riley with me today. Riley, how are you doing?
0: Oh, I'm doing good. It's been a chaotic few days. I think, you know, every free agency feels like the greatest free agency. And maybe next year it'll top it even more, though I've been told by people who know way more than I do that it's not going to be as exciting as this class. But I think there's been a lot of moves that John Horst has made that have been really interesting. I think the entire landscape of the league is kind of really up in the air in a way that it hasn't been in a long time. And uh, I'm excited to talk about it with you.
1: Yeah, it's definitely one of those where it's interesting to me just because I thought last year was going to be the big year but with LeBron and Paul George, but then it was kind of like, well, LeBron's going to L.A., and that was kind of obvious, and Paul George deciding to stay with shocking. the year before. I've, there's just like been a lot of, yeah, this is going to be the year, but I truly do think this is the one just because a lot of teams are going to improve with the top-end talent. You, know, you look at a team like Brooklyn that's able to add both Kyrie and Katie, that takes some, that raises their ceiling higher. You know, Kawhi Leonard still hasn't made a decision. I think that's going to pretty much be the big deciding factor. If he goes to LA, then you got to look at the Lakers, and if they can get the right guys on minimum deals, they can win the title and especially the West. But if he stays in Toronto, then you have a relatively competitive Eastern Conference all over again. So it's going to be interesting. I think. A lot of it also helps that the news was being broken at it was supposed to be 5 p.m. central time, but it was a little bit earlier. And we kind of had the night, the whole night to like sit down and go through it all instead of right at midnight where you're trying to stay awake and you're trying to keep up. And if you doze off, you miss something, while well, this time it's like, well, you're just sitting at your phone constantly scrolling on Twitter. At least that's what I did. I was just pretty much waiting for my phone to pop up with a new notification from Walsh or Shams.
0: Yeah, it was so all over the place. I actually was able to recruit my brother to just send me messages because he would just send me all caps like, oh my God, this guy for this much, this guy for that much because you know, it kind of gets a little, a little overly hot takey when the chaos reigns like that. So I, I wasn't on Twitter the entire evening, but whenever a relevant Buck signing was announced, I was on there just to see what the instant reaction and what the gut feeling was. And I think for a vast majority of people, I think a lot of the deals that the Bucks ended up signing with the guys that they brought in, pretty happy and you know i think we'll kind of get into what we like what we didn't like and how we felt about malcolm leaving and a whole bunch of different things but you're right that there's it's exciting because of how wide open everything is with like kevin durant's his injury and leaving to go to brooklyn you know golden state the chokehold they had in the league for so many years is looks pretty much set to be broken and i think that's gonna raise the stakes for so many different teams and you know for people like us who are really into the day-to-day kind of intricacies of the league i think it's it's going to be a fascinating season so looking forward to it and i think it's fair to say that with the way that horse has kind of gone through free agency i think the bucks are gonna be right there for competing for the championship at the end of it all yeah
1: yeah absolutely and to go over the moves that we have seen milwaukee make so far it is as follows <clears throat> chris middleton five years 178 million dollars player option for year five Brook lopez Four years, fifty-two million, no options or guarantees. George Hill, three years, twenty-nine million, partial guaranteed on the third season. Robin Lopez, two years, four point eight, which looks to be the mid-level exception, and he has a player option for the second season. Wesley Matthews is going to be brought in on a veteran, like a vet men deal, and Michael Brogdon leaves for Indiana, four years, eighty-five million. And Milwaukee will receive a future first and two second round picks from Indy. And Nikola Miritic is going overseas to Barcelona, where hopefully he doesn't blow a substantial lead to a Liverpool basketball team, if it ever exists. <laughs> so, I actually had to get that dig in there. Um, Riley, I would say most of these deals were in line, at least with players staying and players going. Everything seems to have lined up, you know, other than Robin Lopez and Wes Matthews in terms of the Bucks' free agents. It was pretty predictable. What not you say?
0: Yeah, I'd say so. I think, it, you know, it's, it's interesting because we've lamented in the past horse kind of going for these right at, you know, in the past it was midnight, but now it's 5 PM, like right at the starting line, getting all these deals done. But the writing was so on the wall for this team in years past that's, the main idea was to bring everybody back. And unfortunately, I mean, fortunately for the Bucks, the fact that everybody played so well, that meant that their market was going to be kind of jacked up. And so a lot of these guys, I think, ended up coming back on what you could assume would be markets rate deals. You know, I think, especially if you look at George Hill, that's probably like a market rate deal given what some of the other guards have been going for. Um, Brooke Lopez, his value is that much higher just because of how unique he is to what the Bucs do, and we talked about that last week in the podcast. Um, Chris Middleton, slight discount, but there was always the worry that if he tried to play hardball, then he might decide to go somewhere else, and what are you going to do if he goes? And then the Malcolm Brogdon thing we can kind of get into as well. But I think for pretty much every single player, every single deal handed out that the Bucks dealt with, it was all pretty much market rate, and you know none of them are really so high that you're like, I can't believe – that they signed him for that the years and options we can kind of get into as well. I'm not as pleased with that, but you know, it's kind of the price of doing business. And like I said at the top, I think what horse did and what his main goal was, was keeping this team in place to be able to compete next year. We can argue whether or not letting Brogdon go goes towards that goal. But in general, I think he brought back enough pieces to at least give the team a shot to be right in contention at the end. And it's really, you know, how much more can you really ask for going in and coming out of free agency?
1: Yeah, especially with Chris Middleton's deal. It was kind of surprising that it was only 178 million just because there were people that were kind of rumors saying that it was going to be 190 million, which is the most that Chris could make. And you look at someone like Clay Thompson and Tobias Harris, and they were in line to make those deals. So the fact that Middleton was able to get <clears throat> get under that deal is really impressive and i think that was more of milwaukee kind of deciding we're going to give you as much money as we think is a good idea obviously if chris milton won 190 million i think they would give him 190 million but maybe they decide to throw that number out there to see if he was going to take it but when chris milton had his piece on espn it kind of sounded like he was always dead set on coming back there was never you know, any hesitation. There was never any doubts. It's not like Milwaukee had to do much persuasion. So that's really good to see just because I think he is the key to, A, having an honest comeback for the Supermax, B, Milwaukee's championship ambitions. Because as much as people want to argue that Chris Middleton isn't a number two, at the same time, the Milwaukee Bucks were two games away from making the NBA Finals with him as the number two. And he was, potentially being guarded by the best defensive player in the league and also guarding the finals MVP who was on an absolute tear. So you you really can't do much more of it. And for those that wanted Middleton leave or didn't think he was worth the money, I guess I always look back and there was never a good replacement. And if Middleton leaves, then you have either Brogdon or Bledsoe as your number two. And I don't think either of us believe that those two being the number two guy is going to win you a championship so i was really happy with the middleton deal what about your what about you
0: yeah i'd say generally i was pleased as well i mean like let's not mince words. that's a large dollar amount to be paying chris middleton and i've loved chris middleton the entire time he's been here i really like his game i think it's been awesome seeing him grow from a second round pick to like random trade throw in and the Brandon Jennings branded night deal to, you know, all-star eventually this past season. I, I think he was deserving of that. nod as well, just because of, you know, lifetime of work and everything that he's done to get here. And as we talked about ad nauseum, I think it would be difficult for the bucks. If the idea is to contend right now, which I think, You know Whether or not you're worried about the dollar amount down the line, that's kind of your main goal pretty much across the entire fan base is like, let's take advantage of what we have right now. And like you said, just the way the cap works and the way that the team is constructed, the Bucks would have been really hard-pressed to find anybody else that would be able to do what he does at such a consistent level. And so, yes, the top dollar amount is really scary. And yes, you have to have concerns about how that's going to, work on the cap it down the, you know, whatever in year three, year four, he's probably not going to be worth the $40 million that he's probably going to pick up on his player option on that fifth year. But that's the price of doing business. If ideally you want to get championship this season. So maybe I'm not super pleased with the dollar amount, but it was, it had an air of inevitability about it that I reconciled myself to it a long time ago. It helps that I like Middleton personally, um, And I, I like what he and Giannis have together. And I kind of think those guys are, you know, pillars to what this team is culturally. And it, it would be joyous to watch him and Giannis and the rest of the guys kind of finally get it over the top. And I think bringing him back gives the Bucks the best chance of doing that.
1: Yeah. It's, it's always going to be tough with the money <clears throat> just because with all these free agent deals, I think money wise, you would ideally want it to be a little bit lower for each of these players. but this is what you have to pay to keep in contention and stay, you know, as a title contender. But Chris Middleton's deal wasn't the first one out; It was actually Brooke Lopez's. I think that one was announced at like 3 p.m. or something. So even before the time was up. But four years, $52 million. Again, no options or guarantees. I think that's fair considering Lopez's performance last year. And he was significantly underpaid last year, only getting like $3.4 So he was – due for a large payday he was someone that maybe i thought would have taken a smaller deal but at the same time you got to bring him back we were kind of saying on the last pod that he was probably the second most important player maybe even third behind brogdon so i have no major qualms on the deal just because unlike middleton the cap hit is as bad and he can maybe trade that later on come year three or year four
0: yeah, I would generally agree, and you know, I, I think Adam did a good job convincing me last week because I was a little bit on on the fence of whether or not Brooke Lopez or Malcolm Brogdon would be more important to bring back after Chris Middleton. But I think, generally speaking, just his unique combination of skills, his size, which I, I think I probably underrate, just because we live in this era of big men where it's like they are not the key guys per se, especially like a lumbering guy like Brooke Lopez can tend to be. But when you're looking at the rest of the marketplace, like every team in the entire league could use a guy like Brooke, given what he does and how accomplished of a shooter he is and how good, not personally of a rebounder, but how high of a ceiling he raises for your team as a rebounding unit. And when you look at guys like Nikola Vucevic and you look at Dwayne Dedman, who I think Dedman got three years, 41 million, I think, Lucevic got 90 million. I don't know how many years, but you know, guys who do a reasonable facsimile of what Brook Lopez can do got paid, and you know, I I think you can justify this deal, especially in the short term, based on the fact that a lot of teams don't have an answer to what he does necessarily, and there is nothing worse than the idea of a lumbering center who's not nearly as good of a shooter that other teams can kind of you know shy off of, and thus bring another guy into the paint to clog things up for Giannis like that's that's a nightmare scenario for the general offensive scheme so you know I agree that this is kind of comeuppance for getting him on such a great deal because the Lakers you know they fell asleep at the wheel which uh thank you Magic and Rob Palenka we appreciate it but um, I'm not super upset about it I think Four years is maybe a little much because I think he's 31 now. Um, you know, big men tend to age a little bit slower, and he's not exactly an athletic guy. So he should age theoretically gracefully, but he has had injury issues in the past. Um, but with any sort of deal, you can only hedge risk so much. So I, I, I too was also okay with this deal.
1: Yeah, especially compared to Al Horford's. He got like four years, 109 yeah, million, one yep. day, and like 97 of that is guaranteed. Granted, I think Horford might be a slightly better player on the defensive end than Brooke, but it's not, you know, a substantial, like, gap. It's still pretty close between the two. So kind of looking at that end of it where Al Horford was probably the only other center that you could really replace Brooke Lopez with and not have a substantial drop-off, like Dwayne Dedman, Vucevic, you know, Kevon Looney, Ed Davis, guys like that, while they're solid and they each have abilities that can you would like in centers, it's not enough to really replace Brooks. So getting him 52 million. When we look at it, you know, it's not going to be that bad. I think it's one of those where his contract seems to be in line with what he's going to do. I don't think he's going to be underpaid. I don't think he's going to be overpaid. I think that range is going to be, I think that range is fair for what he has shown that he can do and what he provides moving forward. I guess that's like my gut feeling on it. Obviously. Could. I would have liked some kind of option or guarantee. But that's just being nitpicky. I guess.
0: Yeah. And I think. You know. When I'm thinking about Brick as well. What I have to keep in mind. And remind myself. Is like. It's not only just the spacing he provides but there's the fact that he is this big body and he helps you know now we have robin lopez as well which, w- which we'll get into but he helps kind of take the load of handling the biggest guy on the other team off of Giannis's shoulders which is a value all its own and i don't know if you'll be able to you, you could probably move him as an expiring a couple years down the road um so i'm not too worried about the asset play per se and i think also what we have to kind of keep in mind is like he's not just this gimmicky three-point shooter he showed in the playoffs as well an ability to still kind of bang down low if you need to Now whether or not coach Bud will actually go to that in the future that's an open question but he he has so many skills beyond just the three-point shooting even though that's the headline just because it's so unique given his stature but there's so much that he does that's very valuable and maybe not all of it shows up in the stat you know in the box scores per se but I think we've kind of established over this past season and over the past couple of seasons with him is like, you have to look beyond just the raw stats. There's so much more that he provides and you know, to have him nailed down as your everyday starting five, I think that's has a value all its own.
1: Yeah. And one thing we did mention with injury history, and that is a concern with Brooke Lopez. It didn't seem to affect Milwaukee too much, but it potentially could have with Malcolm Brogdon who left, he signed the qualifying offer offer on saturday which made him a restricted free agent indiana indiana pacers gave him four years 85 million which that's a lot of money first of all milwaukee is going to do a sign and trade with indy milwaukee going to get back a future first two second rounds and there is a trade exception which i don't think is there anymore and if adam was here he could probably explain that better but
0: Just assume that it it no longer applies. We we do not believe it applies given the George Hill deal. That's what we've been led to believe. Right.
1: Like, because of the George Hill deal, the exception's gone. So, more or less, you're getting three draft picks from Indy to not be with Malcolm Brogdon. And Brogdon was always going to be the toughest to decide how much you want to back for. Is he worth bringing back? Which I think I said last episode, he was the second. Most important player, I would have tried getting back, but I also had hesitations for anything over twenty million. So while it's not the four years, hundred million that Chicago was potentially going to give, it's still twenty one million per year. This is a guy that you know last year he missed missed games because of a foot injury, and before it was a hamstring, and he had the other foot during college. So he was a potential risk. Missed sixty games the last two seasons. And in comparison, you look at Middleton, Bledsoe, Lopez, they didn't miss that many games due to injury. I think it was only like nine or something. And I'm pretty sure the other games that they didn't play, most of it was due to rest anyway. So it was a tough decision. I think Milwaukee made the right choice though. And I don't think the owners were trying to penny pinch or not pay the tax. I just think they saw it and they were like 21 million per year for a guy that hasn't, been consistently healthy that has a red flag with a foot injury you gotta choose how much does he affect the team moving forward and i think they looked at brook and were like we can we need Brooke lopez on this team we would like malcolm broadwood on this on this team so i think that was the issue it wasn't necessarily they didn't want to pay the tax i just think they saw the number and they're like this is not going to be a valuable deal and it's going to be a bad asset I think it's going to become a really poor asset as the years go on.
0: Yeah. I think that's the way that you just put it right there. I think like to have them is the perfect way to put it. Like I tend to agree. Now I have issues probably with the principle of the thing regarding, you know, is this a penny pinching move from the owners? Or I think what I'm curious about is like they said last season, you know, if, if the team is good enough, in my best Mark Lassery voice, I have no idea what he sounds like, but it, pretend this is Mark Lassery. You know, if this team is good <laughs> enough, we're willing to pay to bring him back. And, like, you know, when you're two games away from the finals and you're a Kawhi Leonard, like, you know, ascending to the heavens performance away from getting to the final, is that not good enough? And I guess I, I'm worried maybe not so much about losing Brogdon, even though I think that'll be a hit. But I think, you know, the horse has kind of done a good job of trying to patch over the hole but i'm more so worried about the philosophical idea of like when is it going to be good enough for the owners to bring them back like is it going to be a team that wins the finals because at that point if we win the finals this next year i guess it's already done like so maybe there's a concern there but that aside i tend to agree that pretty much immediately this deal is not going to be a great one for Indy. I I have to give, um, I think it's Kevin Pritchard there, right? Who's the GM. I have to give him credit for having the, uh, the wherewithal to give Malcolm Brogdon, this deal right off the bat. I mean, obviously they had to have targeted him and if that's the case and it apparently seemed that Malcolm wasn't super keen on coming back, I think he kind of looks for a bigger role wherever he's going to go. And that's going to be Indiana now, but if there was this situation where Malcolm really didn't want to come back and he found this deal with the Pacers, I think it was, you know, quite a piece of work from a horse to be able to snag a first and two seconds, which we should clarify. I don't think we found out what the protections on those are or what the years are. So that's kind of, yeah, we still don't know that. Yeah. Okay. TBD. (laughs) Yeah. So, so we'll figure that out. But I think, you know, just an asset play like that to be able to get anything out of the situation is impressive. Um, And I'm going to miss Malcolm. We can kind of get into, you know, memories. If we have any good memories or what we'll miss about him. But um, I I agree that he's a nice to have, not a need to have. And I totally get where people are coming from worried. Like if we're going all in, you need to increase and really maximize the top line talent, which I don't think there's any sort of argument that Malcolm, when he's on, when he's healthy is top line talent. Like he provides a lot for this team. Um, But at 21 million, I mean, that's, Fully guaranteed, no options, no nothing. That's that's a tough pill to swallow. So I, I get it. I don't want to excuse ownership because it's easy to go down year to year and rationalize why they don't pay. But you know, when you're looking at this, if you try to be objective about it, you, you can kind of get where they're coming from. So it, tough pill to swallow, but I, I get it to a certain extent.
1: Yeah. And I mean, if the owners didn't want to pay the luxury tax and that's why they didn't want to bring out Brogdon back, then that is piss poor and embarrassing. That's is not going to pass. Like, that does it fly. That's an issue. Like, like I kind of tweeted it yesterday. It's like, if they did that to not pay tax, bad. If they did it because they didn't value Brogdon at that much, okay, fine. If they did it because they have injury concerns with Brogdon, also fine. If they, I mean, Brogdon wanted, if Brogdon wanted to leave, then you have, your hands are kind of tied. And, you know, last year we kind of been moaning that, The Bucs couldn't get anything from Jabari Parker when he signed the deal with the Bulls. And at least this time you get three draft picks. We don't know when they'll be. And I mean, Indy's probably going to make the playoffs, so it's not going to be really a lottery pick, I don't think, depending on when it depends on when the year is. Because I think for the short term, maybe the next like three or four years, I don't see any reason why Indy isn't a playoff team. So you're kind of looking at that. 17 to 22 range, which is good because Milwaukee needs a first round pick since they'll lose one of them to Phoenix and another one to Cleveland. So I just think it, it's tough. If Broglie wanted a larger role, he's going to get that in Indy. He's going to be the number two guy, maybe in the number three behind Old Depot and maybe Miles Turner. So it's tough. There's only going to be one basketball. The team showed that they could play well without him. And I'm not expecting Sterling Brown to necessarily have as good of a performance as he did at the end of the regular season when Brogdon's out. But it does leave the two-spot wide open for Milwaukee. They traded Tony Snell, so that's not an option. So you're kind of looking at Sterling Brown, Pat Connaughton, and Dante DiVincenzo. So I don't know who necessarily is going to fill that role, or at least in the starting lineup
0: yeah I I think with Wes Matthews I kind of tend to lean towards seeing if he's going to be the starter but just back on Malcolm just a couple of final closing thoughts I I agree that you know if he was looking for a better role and he really didn't want to come back and you know I I think it's good of the Bucks to have you know tried not tried to force the issue whether you know this probably a whole bunch of different things that go into it but um, I don't begrudge Malcolm whatsoever going out and getting that deal. I think, you know, good on him and his agent for getting that because that's his big payday. And, you know, again, this is another success story, kind of like Chris, where it's like, you know, you saw this guy go from second round pick, like he lost a year in college, kind of overlooked a little bit because he was older. Like, does he have injury concerns? And to go from that to getting paid $85 million, I mean, good on you, Malcolm, big fan. Um, And I think what I'm going to miss most about, Malcolm. And I think this will be my closing thought is like, you know, it was very clear from the get go that he was a guy who had interests off the court. He found inspiration, um, in a lot of different things. And I think he was relatable in that basketball was his job and don't get it twisted. These guys are, you know, different from you and I, us random peasants because they're ultra competitive and, playing professional basketball is unlike any of our day jobs, but he had, he was very vocal about his interests off the court. And I I thought he was really relatable in that regard. And, you know, it helped that a lot of the causes that he championed were, you know, things that were laudable as well. So I'm going to miss having him around. I thought he was an awesome locker room guy. He was our anti-kid guy inside the organization, so he'll always be a hero for that. But I, I really enjoyed having him around. Wish him the best of luck, unless, of course, they're playing the Bucks. And uh, I, too, am curious what he's going to do in Indiana, because they're going to be kind of all over the place. And I think he would like, like you said, more of a role. And he'll probably find it with old out for the you know, good section of the next year. Yeah, he's... Definitely an
1: anti-Kid guy, which I'm always a fan of. I think one of my favorite moments, and I didn't know this happened until after because I was at the game when they played the Timberwolves, and this was right before Kid got fired. and I think the Bucks even came back from, like, 20 down. But Giannis looked at Brogdon and was just like, why aren't you in the game? And Brogdon just sits there and just, like, shrugs. And I thought that was one of my favorite moments because I was like, if anything highlights how bad of a coach Jason Kidd was, not playing one of your better players is pretty high up there. So – Definitely, was one of my favorite moments? Otherwise, yeah, kind of the same thing. He had <clears throat> had the off the court interest, raising, trying to get clean water to you know areas and countries that badly needed it. He was always just very calm, very respectful. He was just a very good person, and I think you see that. And you know, I don't wish any ill will towards Malcolm. You know, even when the Bucks play Indiana, I hope Malcolm plays well, and Indiana still loses. Or at least play as well. Like, I don't need him hitting like a dagger three at the end. Like, he can yeah. get like a couple threes pointers here and there. So- hey, we, could,
0: we could use like a one for 10 night from three from Malcolm when he plays. Just one little. And then at the end of the game, he winks to the crowd. Like, you know, that's right. all we need. Let's just like, we know, we know, Malcolm, we appreciate you.
1: Right. You're a secret agent. It's okay. It's okay. But yeah, he's just, you know, with everything that he's doing off the court, I applaud him for it, um, especially speaking out on the issues of Milwaukee. I, It's tough to say that, even though it is 100% true. Yeah, To say it as blatantly and openly as he did, I think it's important for people to realize. So wish you the best of luck, Malcolm. Um, You're still our president. Good luck, I guess. I don't know what more to say, but... (laughs) That's
0: Malcolm Brogdon era. That's it right there. That's The (laughs) book is closed now, folks.
1: I don't know what more to say, Um, but we were able (laughs) to have some time to get over it because the Bucs did bring back George Hill three years, $29 million partial guarantee on the third season. At first, when they said they were bringing back George Hill, everyone was like, okay, cool. And then the trade exception that came with Brogdon kind of went out the window to get Hill. And I mean, it's a lot of money, but that third year being a partial guarantee helps. And I think George Hill, again, he deserved this deal based off his playoff performances He could play the point guard to back up Eric Bledsoe. He could play the two guard. He just had that veteran presence that you needed, especially in the postseason. So, good deal. Not a great deal. But, you know, again, by year three, you can kind of cut your losses with that one. I don't know how much of that is guaranteed, but I think it was a fine deal. I I think for a bench guy, compared to all the other guards, I saw a tweet. I think Dan Schaefer was the one that said it. But here are the contracts for the non-elite guards. So I think it excludes like Kyrie and D'Angelo Russell. Brogdon, four years, 85 million. Terry Rozier, three years, 58 million. Ricky Rubio, three years, 51 million. Patrick Beverly three years, 40 million. Corey Joseph, three years, 37 million. Seth Curry, four years, 32 million. Thomas Sanransky three years, 30 million. And then there's George Hill, three years, 29 million. So compared to all the other guards, this isn't as bad. And I think George Hill is better than Corey Joseph. And I think he's better than Sandoramski. So, you know, if you're going to bring a guy back great, this kind of deal in perspective helps.
0: So what would you what would you give the grade if you were to give A to F? Because I think this is the one we're going to disagree on the most, but what would you give the grade on the deal generally? I'd say B minus. Okay, that, that feels fair. I think this one is the one that I have the most doubts on, not because I don't like George Hill and not because I didn't think he was one of the best players for the team in the playoffs because he undoubtedly was, but we are talking about a guy who is already 33. He's had issues with his hips. He he doesn't rely on athletic, athleticism per se, but he kind of did in certain moments, and it's, you know, I wonder how that's going to hold up over the course of an 82-game season. And a little bit under ten million a year, and like you said, that that partial guarantee on the third year really helps out a lot. Like I'm glad the Bucks were able to get that, and I agree that there were probably going to be other teams that would pick them up. if The Bucks didn't like whether it be the Magic because they don't have any sort of point guard, uh, or maybe the Knicks. I think they have a kind of rumored to be interested in Hill. So I think there were a lot of different factors that pushed him or pushed the price up. I'm just worried about. You know, is, is the guy that we got in the playoffs last year, are we paying him because of that? Because when he was with the Bucks, like I think there was a stint he, that he was out for injury. He, he played pretty well in the regular season. Like he wasn't, you know, any sort of bum or anything like that. I'm not going to go that far. Um, but, but I am concerned at 33, he's already had a couple injury problems. Um, he wasn't great when he was with Sacramento or Cleveland and his stints there. You know, I think it'll help that he's not gonna have a lead role, but there's a chance that he might be the guy that fills in for Malcolm as like the main guy off the bench. How is he hold up under that? So I have a lot more concerns. You could probably move him if you need to. So maybe that kind of goes against it as well. But um, of all the deals that the Bucks sign, this is probably the one that I'm least a fan of. And it's not because of Hill, but more so, you know, the idea of Hill and what he's gonna be going forward.
1: Yeah, I would have maybe agreed with that and then the Robin. Lopez deal happened and that kind of shifted it for me, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But I think it was just, you looked at some of the, like when I looked at the other guards, I would have liked to have Patrick Beverly and I would have liked to have Seth Curry instead of George Hill. But you know, Patrick Beverly is probably going to stay with the Clippers and he was, his deal is higher and he kind of has that mileage. And especially with the way he plays, there's a lot more risk there. Seth Curry He's good. I just don't think what he does is what Milwaukee necessarily can afford to pay, especially after not having much cap space. If this was a couple years ago and you had the cap space to make a move like that, then yeah, go for Seth Curry. But I think with George Hill, you just need someone that can play both guard positions. You need someone that can lead a bench unit, someone that is okay with coming off the bench. I don't think any of those other guys would have been satisfied with that role. And I do get the point with the are you paying just for the playoffs that we saw from George Hill? And I think they are. But at the same time, you really, really hope that Eric Bledsoe doesn't have a no-show playoff series. You really hope that Dante or Sterling can fill that two-guard spot. I don't think Hill's going to necessarily be the starter. But I think he's going to be that first guy off the bench. He's going to be you know, the main guard and the bench unit leading that, him and, you know, one of the three that we talk about with Dante Sterling and Pat Connaughton. So I think he's, I don't think they're going to have him be a full guarantee on his third deal either, so I feel like this is more of a two-year, about $20 million a year dollar, which that's why I gave it in the B range, is because of that 30-year partial guarantee. If it was fully guaranteed, it'd probably, I'd drop it down to C-minus, but I look at it more as a two-year deal, so that helps. And kind of what you said, you can trade it, and you can work with that when you're in this win-now contention. I am concerned about the durability, but I also think there's going to be a lot more load management from horse Because as much as Milwaukee would like to have the number one seed, I think you know they got through 60 wins. I still think Milwaukee is going to be at least the number one team in the East, and if Toronto comes back, they might slide to number two, but. I think there's going to be a lot more load management as well. So trying to have these guys fresh from the playoffs, which is really why you have someone like George Hill is going to be vital.
0: Yeah. And kind of looking through the, I'm just going through the list of like guard free agents right now. Like, and I guess I didn't realize how sort of weak the entire market was. Um, And I think one of the main things that drove up Hill's value, especially for the bucks was the fact that, you know, once you get past Eric Bledsoe, there's no real other true point guard per se. Like especially once Malcolm walked in, we can all argue whether or not Malcolm's actually a true point guard, which I would say no. But he can kind of fill in at spots there. So I think kind of keeping that in mind as well, it, it, it makes sense why the Bucs went this way. And you're right that I should keep in mind that's like a two-year, twenty million. Which you know for a guy who's an above ad- average replacement who can actually kind of run an offense when called upon. Um, like I said earlier with Malcolm gone, I think it's going to be valuable to have a guy who can kind of come in and help actually have a rotation and kind of guide the sub units alongside maybe Chris Middleton, if that's going to be the starter who kind of stays in the sub lineup. So I would agree overall that, you know, if you don't keep Hill, then you're probably rolling the dice for the first half of the season with like maybe one of the summer league guys or maybe Dante, which that's, that's a risk all its own. Because um, there was nobody else that was really within that price range that makes sense who would provide the value that he does. And then you kind of, again, taking a risk of waiting around until the trade deadline to figure out if – or buyout guys to kind of fill in. So I, I get it. I, I'm not going to kill the deal. Uh, like I said, the third year non-guarantee helps out a lot. Um, and we really just have to hope – Eric, if you're listening – please play better in the playoffs we could use we could use it so so badly <laughs> just and anything like average just play average if he can play average you're so right that that solves so many problems and the importance of george hill slicing up the boston defense to like score 20 points to get us through that series or you know through tough spots in the series um there's a whole bunch of different things we can look at but hoping 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 that George Hill is not as important in the playoffs next year. And he just kind of is guard depth and really useful guard depth at this point.
1: Yeah. I'm really hoping Eric Bledsoe also has a good playoff series, or John Horse is able to add another guard that is of quality, especially with Tim Frazier leaving. So there's 100% not a backup point guard on this roster anymore. Yeah. My.
0: Come on down, my friend. Fletcher McGee, this (laughs) is your time.
1: Oh, he's going to be the guy. He's going to be the next Christian Wood. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yes, he is. Get ready for it. Oh, God help me.
1: Okay. Well, the deal that I did not like the most was the Robin Lopez deal. It was announced late on Sunday night, right before I was going to pen. I was like, okay. Okay, fine. Robin Lopez. (laughs) that min. Cool. Vet minimum. I can live with that. I wake up. No, it's mid-level exception. Two years, 4.8. Player option for the second season and that, I am giving that one a C minus, maybe even plus. <laughs> just because of the cap resources, that is my issue. Like Robin Lopez, in terms of his tweets and the content and we're going to get from his just like natural ribbing with Brooke, A plus, it's great. You want a guy like that, he's gonna be a great locker room guy. But you're back upset, like using the cap space, the little cap space you had for a backup center while he has a good backup center to have. I don't know. That was it. I'm coming around on it. But in, when I woke up this morning, I was like, really?
0: <laughs> yeah. The player option is definitely tough. And I was right there with you. I think I've come around it quicker than you have. Um, I'm a lot more okay with it than you were, but I was right there with you when the first came across. I was like, ah, sweet, vet minimum. Like, you know, this is what we have Brooke Lopez for. We'll pay pay Brooke, and then he'll bring his brother, and we'll get him on a vet minimum. No problem at all. And then it's a two-year deal with the player option. like, oh, my God. And for 4 point, I think it's 4.8 million, right? I think that's what it's about. Yeah, 4.8 million. Yeah, uh, each year, I should say. Not bad, not super upset about it, but I think I've come around quicker just because, one – I think Robin Lopez is a starting quality player. Like, you know, don't let the years with the Chicago Bulls as awful an organization as they <laughs> are. Don't let that affect you. Like he's clearly, I think he was a big leader there for a, you know, a relatively young team. Um, and I think he's not the shooter his brother is, and I don't think we should expect that, but he's another big body. He's a really good rebounder. Like defensively, I think he's pretty good as well, and he has some skills offensively. So you know, would you like to find somebody else for the, you know, it, what was it, room mid-level, right? That's, I, I don't know. Yeah, the terms that's here.
1: a room yeah. level
0: Yep, yeah. so to find somebody else at that kind of deal who would contribute, like maybe you might go for, look for a shooter, but it, it seemed like, much like the rest of the league, shooting is at a premium, and I don't know who you're going to find on the market that's going to go for that kind of deal um, over two years. And so if that's going to be the case... The only option we had in like center depth behind Brooke was gonna be maybe the corpse of Pau Gasol. And I don't know about you, but I'm really not down for that experiment. Or maybe you go for like Ursan minutes or DJ minutes, but none of that seems really pal- palatable palatable. I, I can pronounce words, but I think I was upset with it. I don't mind it nearly as much. Plus If the issues with Brooks, you know, injury history in the past, if for whatever reason that crops up, you're not kind of scratching the bottom of the barrel, like, I wonder what Christian Wood's up to. (laughs) Like, you have a guy who is, you know, obviously a proven NBA veteran. And I think he would have fit in as a starter at a lot of different teams, uh, given the way the center market worked out. And given some of the other centers who signed today, I think Enos Cantor got the same deal over in Boston, for example. Like, I'd much prefer we kind of, keep our depth for the regular season and he could probably still play in the playoffs if he needed. So I'm not as mad about it. I wouldn't give it a D minus, but I agree that the player option, what do we have Brooke for? Can we not negotiate a team option that like, come on, dude, we just paid your brother. Let's go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like like I said, I'm going to come around to it. And I think especially when I woke up, I was like, you could have gotten a wing with that room mid level exception. You probably could have gotten someone like that or Ed Davis was out there or I'm trying to think' They're in a while like, like there are other guys that could have potentially been a good backup center option. So that was again that was kind of more my issue. but he is a starting level center and especially when Milwaukee plays a team like Philly who's just got big bodies all around, you're going to need someone like that. so I ha- those are the things that I'm kind of starting to come around on. I will get I'll get there, but it is tough and I, I'm I'm going to expect him to just take that player option, right? Like there's no way he's gonna turn it down unless he has a monster season and he gets one last payday.
0: Dude, I'm waiting for him to come in and show a John Henson esque improvement in his three point shooter and being demanding a fifteen million dollar a year contract. Like I like I, I guess that would be him. like <laughs> I was gonna Here say guys...
1: I can see him like having a like competition against brooke to see who can like hit more three pointers and like i can see robin just like in the gym right now just working on a shot just to make sure like i'm going to be a better shooter than brooke i can see that happening
0: i totally could as well and i have to give a shout out to robin's three-point celebration uh, for people who don't know absolutely it's amazing it's probably my favorite three-point celebration in the league i'm just i'm cracking up thinking about it like he he drains the three and then he busts out an imaginary mug of tea Dunks and steeps the tea bag for a couple, you know, a couple of dunks, and then he takes he downs it right then and there. Like it's, it's so unconventional and totally like in line with Lopez's. And I think the the other thing that you could value here, especially with a veteran guy like this, like you know, if the Bucks want to bring Giannis back, like making as conducive and as fun an environment as possible definitely can't hurt. And I certainly believe all the hype that the Lopez twins are going to be quite the pairing in terms of entertainment throughout the year. And it seems like Giannis likes Brooke a lot. And I think he'll like Robin a lot. So I think there's going to be a lot of positives there. So that kind of all conspired to make me not nearly as upset with the deal, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. Hopefully, you know, he kind of fits in and I think it'll be an interesting kind of fold to see what Bud does with him. And, you know, if he does try to use his three pointer a little bit more, like he has the past couple of seasons.
1: Yeah, and the last um, deal, this one came today, actually. And this is why I'm slightly warming up to the Robin Lopez deal is the Bucks were able to get that wing shooter that they needed to replace Tony Snell in Madison native Marquette uh, alum, Wesley uh, Matthews. Hey, yeah. he, he, <laughs> I'm he, sorry. hey. Unlike everyone else, like, well, Jimmy played at Marquette. Like, that could be, Jimmy didn't care that much about Marquette. But, like, Wesley Matthews is a Wisconsin person, so that's cool. And I saw, I think someone said it on Reddit. It's like when the Bucks signed Koran Butler, but it's actually, but he's actually good.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's really so uh, that's I, awful to say, but it 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 has shades of truth, which is why it hurts so much.
1: Yeah, yeah, those those glory days in the Milwaukee Bucks, man. I don't know, not great. But I I think the Wesley Matthews is a good move from Milwaukee. A veteran minimum deal for a guy that sh- that can shoot the b- ball pretty well. He did tear his Achilles a couple seasons ago, but it seems like he's not, I want to say necessarily pass it, but he's shown that he can handle. And then like a couple NBA seasons, like he showed in Dallas, he had about 10 and a half points per game when he was with Indy. He didn't have a great playoff series, but you know, for a guy on that kind of contract, this is a gamble that you take. If he works out awesome. It's a steal. If he doesn't, Whatever, it's one year. He's just not the guy. Hopefully, he's just at least a good locker room person. So, I'm a big fan of this move just because of the skill set that Wes Matthews brings. I don't think he's going to play it too. I don't think he has the speed to keep up with it anymore. Like, he might be able to do it in spot moments. But this is just a guy who can shoot the ball, and that's what you're going to be looking for for a guy off the bench.
0: Yeah, I hate to burst your bubble, but. I think the news was that there were multiple quote unquote contenders who were after him and maybe he was enticed by ring chasing possibilities. And like you said, coming back to his home state and, you know, the city that he played his college game in. Um, But I would be really surprised kind of thinking on it if he doesn't get the starting nod at least to start the season, Um, because I'm guessing that was kind of a quid pro quo uh, as part of the deal. But I I agree beyond that sentiment that I am really excited about it just because of all the possibilities that it opens up. Like, you know, this is a guy who's a career 38% uh, shooter from three uh, last year. He shot, I believe his three point attempt rate was over 51%. Or, oh, actually, sorry. 57% it's 51 for his career. So this guy, I mean, he's not afraid to take threes. Unlike the likes of, you know Tony Snell, where you're pulling teeth for him to shoot threes, or Malcolm Brogdon, who you know he's a good three-point shooter, but he also likes closing out or attacking closeouts. So I, I I'm intrigued because where does he fit in? Like, is he just going to kind of fall into the wing rotation? I think the wear and tear. I, I I tweeted this earlier, but I'm shocked that he averaged 30 minutes a game last year. Like like you said, this is a guy who tore his Achilles a couple of years ago. I mean, he's been playing minutes for a long, long time. Like shout out to Wes Matthews. He's been in the league for a long time going from an undrafted guy. Um, And so I envision him almost as like a 15 to 20 minute guy. And he shouldn't need to do a whole hell of a lot beyond standing outside and just jacking up open threes all season long. And I think it'll kind of be like last year where it's like, whoever the hot hand is, you're going to be out there. He might get the starting nod at the start of the year just because that might have been part of why he came here um, and what kind of it goes. But I agree generally that he won't be a like-for-like like replacement for Malcolm whatsoever. But if you're not going to have somebody at Malcolm's level, the second best thing you do is have a veteran like this who can kind of be an anchor and then still provide opportunities for young guys like Sterling, like Dante, to maybe grow into the role potentially and be a guy who you can rely on heading forward as well.
1: Yep. Absolutely. And who knows, baby West Matthews can be Fred Van Vliet for us, where he just suddenly has a seven of nine three-point shooting game and sinks someone. That'd be great. And, you know, speaking of cool celebrations, I would say West Matthews also has a pretty sweet three-point celebration, like the bow and arrow. Yep. I'm a big fan of the bow and arrow.
0: Yeah. I, I think everybody else kind of copied him after that. I remember he was still, he was doing that back in his Portland days, like, you know, When he was before the Achilles injury, like he's always been a fun player to watch. Like I'm not huge into college basketball, and definitely not into Marquette basketball. Sorry, Marquette fans, but he's always been a fun player to watch, and it's exciting that he chose to come to Milwaukee. And hopefully, he has a lot of success here. And you know, I think this signing, along with the Robin Lopez and the Pat Connaughton signing of last year, I think it shows. Horse proclivity to be able to find guys on relatively small deals that kind of go into not the junk heap, but they're not your first tier free agents. And we can only hope that this bet and the bet with Robin Lopez works out as well as it did for Brooke Lopez and Pat Connor a year ago. I have a feeling it will. I'm confident in those two guys. They're both proven guys, they both still have stuff to give. And I think both those deals, you know, you can complain about the Lopez second year, but generally speaking, I think they're both pretty good deals for the Bucs.
1: Yeah. And I think this is also a way of showing that maybe we shouldn't automatically write off horse again. I, I saw a lot of people on Bucks Twitter openly complaining about what the Bucks are doing. And then it seems like as soon as I was ready to throw a tirade on Twitter, Oh look, Wes Matthew gets, gets signed. So horse is definitely looking around at those kind of deals. He's not afraid to take the risk as you mentioned. And I think, I think these are the kind of moves that gets you to that next level where you, can you find the bargain deals? Can you make those low-cost, high-reward kind of signing? So I think that's going to be – it's going to work out for Milwaukee, my honest opinion, and maybe we shouldn't write off horse yet until all the dust is settled on the roster construction. And I guess one other thing that we can note of the Bucks'
0: reagents, Nikola Mirotic going to Barcelona. How weird okay. is that? Wasn't that really weird? Like, of all the... I, I, I guess maybe he didn't have a great market or he's getting paid yachtfuls of money in Spain, but it's just really out of out of left field on that one.
1: Yeah, I think it was, like, still about $70 million for the four years. So it was a pretty okay, good okay deal. Oh, I mean,
0: yeah, never, never mind. I, yeah, I mean, if money. you're going to get paid
1: like that, I'd take the money. But, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he just decided... I want a new challenge. And I, I think he's pretty, he is very fluent in Spanish. I, I don't think he's, is he from Spain?
0: No, I so think he's he from, is from Spain, but he, he's from Montenegro, but he plays for the Spanish national team, I believe. Ah,
1: there we go. So yeah, maybe just like having that home feeling is going to be good. Even though he plays for the Spanish national team, Barcelona is, it's, it's this whole different thing on Spain. And <laughs> we don't need to get into that. Uh, nope, the Catalan-Spanish nope, relationship, nope, nope. <laughs> but Good for nicola, um at least he can't hurt the bucks with another nBA team so- yeah I,
0: he was like definitely of all the players he was bottom priority, like maybe if he had a full season and maybe if he didn't get injured and th- there was just this confluence of negative events that made sure his t- stint with the bucks wasn't great. I think we've talked before, I think you and I and Adam as well are in agreement you you do the deal again nine you know ten times out of ten if you're horse, but You know, I wasn't too keen on bringing him back at whatever value he was going to have. And I would say overall, you can just be pleased that he's not going to be on another NBA team that might burn you down the line. So,
1: yeah, for sure. And we will take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about the other Eastern Conference teams and Summer League? Question mark? Maybe We'll, we'll see depending on the time. So we'll be back in a few minutes. And we are back. So we talked about the deals that Milwaukee made. There were some other teams, I guess, that made deals as well. I don't know which ones really did better, but to quickly run through it, and we can talk about each of them a little bit more in depth. Philly lost Jimmy Butler and JJ Redick, added Josh Richardson and Al Horford. They also brought back Tobias Harris, ironically, at a deal that's similar to Milton. So for the Milton haters, once again, showing that this deal is better than you will ever admit. Um, Boston <laughs> loses Kyrie, Al Horford, and Terry Rozier. They added Enix Cantor and also Kemba Walker. So Kemba Walker was kind of their star free agent that they got. Um, Indy, like we mentioned, adding Malcolm Brogdon. They lost Dad Young and Boyan. I don't know if they added anyone else. Those are just the big moves that I saw. Um, the Raptors brought back Marcus Stull. Still no word on Kawhi as we speak. It seems like it's now down to Toronto or the Lakers. And then for the Brooklyn Nets, they were the big winners, I guess, or the team with the most noise, getting Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and also DeAndre Jordan. They only so far lost D'Angelo Russell, but I think it was a sign of trade with Golden State anyway, so they might have gotten something back. So, Riley, out of all the teams in the East, who's who do you think got better and who got worse?
0: Uh, that's so I think you have to declare the nets long-term better. Like I I would say maybe this coming season, not so much just because of Durant's injury, but I think they'll probably be like a fifth seed. Like they'll be there. Um, I kind of liked what Indiana did, like losing Corey Joseph. He He's a really good guard and losing Thad Young, not great either. But I think the other guy they got was Jeremy Lamb and they got Malcolm. And when you throw Oladipo back in and you have Miles Turner and you have Sabonis, like, you know, it, that's an interesting team. I, I'm not mad at their offseason, And I would say for the other main guys, you know, to, the Raptors are to be determined. Like you said, it kind of comes down to what Kawhi does. You know, I, I'm rooting for you, Lake Show. Uh, talked some trash about you earlier, but I'm hoping you get them because please take them out of the, <laughs> the East.
1: The one time you cheer for the Lakers. Yes, I, I am. We
0: are all Lakers guy on that one broadcast with the sick Lakers necklace and that one gift. But, um, you know, I, I think they're kind of to be determined. They'll probably be at a similar level, which, as we just saw, is a good enough level to win a championship. And for Philly and Boston, like, Boston, I think, took a step back. I don't think there's any way you can argue against that, even though I really like Kemba Walker and I'm happy for him. And then Philly, I've seen a lot of people talking them up as like the clear favorites in the East. I don't believe that for a goddamn second. Like, I I have to see something more than blatant incompetence from the Sixers to take them as a serious threat. Like, yes, the top five, much like last year, is impressive in theory. But once you get past that, I mean, it's like a lot of Mike Scott minutes. So I'm not super duper worried. I still think the Bucks, you know, day two of free agency, I think they're still the clear number one in the East. And given the amount of chaos that could have happened for Milwaukee, I think you have to be super pleased with that. So I don't, I, I, what do you take on the, uh, the other Eastern contenders?
1: Yeah, I guess Indy, like I said, they're always going to be a playoff team. They might get as high as fourth. They're probably going to be in that four through six. They're going to be that team in the first round they don't want to play against. I think that's the best way to describe Indy. They're going to be a pest to deal with in the first round and maybe even the second round. Um, so don't mind the moves they did. Toronto, again, to be determined, if Kawhi comes back, I put him number one ahead of Milwaukee just because I feel like it's right. If Kawhi doesn't come back, I don't know what to make of Toronto. Yeah, so they, they crashed like
0: immediately to like the fifth or sixth seed, I think. Like, right, like I, they would
1: definitely be, they would be four through seven, I would say. If yeah, they that, don't have that feels
0: right? Yeah,
1: there's still enough talent with Siakam and Gasol and Ibaka and Lowry and Van Vliet. They they're still a good enough team in the playoffs, especially looking at teams like Detroit and Charlotte's going to get worse. Detroit, I don't think did enough. Orlando. Pretty much <laughs> bringing the whole gang back together. Shout together. out
0: John Hammond. Shout out John Hammond. Killing it in Orlando right now.
1: Yeah. So Trauma is an interesting one. I don't hate what Boston. I honestly don't hate what Boston did initially. Like replacing Kyrie with Kemba, fine. I don't see an issue with that. Not having Rozier again, that's not too bad because that's one less guy you have to worry about trying to make fit in the roster. But losing Alf Horford hurts Boston. A lot. So I think Boston, they're going to be a playoff team. They can get as high as third if Kawhi doesn't come back to Toronto, but i they're going to be a four or five, I think. I don't think – I can't see them doing better than Milwaukee unless Brad Stevens figures it out and all those players are – like if Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown become stars, then okay, fine, we'll move them up. But unless that happens, Boston's going to be a four or five in my mind. And Philly – well, mm. y- you're going Do to have a really good defense,
0: uh, but
1: I don't know how you're going to score
0: more than <laughs> 90 points a game. It's so true. I mean, it's going to be the, here's the thing. Al Horford is great insurance for Joel Embiid, like to give him rest or whatever, like, when they're all healthy, I guess I'm confused. Like, so is Horford going to play the four? Like, I, Yeah, Hor- okay. Horford's going to play the four.
1: Okay. Who's going to, like, what is Simmons going to guard?
0: I don't know, man. It's just, I, I think they're going to be better because the when you don't have Jimmy Butler, for example, who has a certain level of usage expectations and on-ball expectations, they're going to get the ball more to Ben Simmons to kind of create, which I think is a positive for them. But again, Once you get past, I mean, it's a lot of Mike Scott and Greg Monroe minutes. And, you know, we all love Greg Monroe. This is a Greg Monroe friendly podcast. But I have some doubts about once you get past the top five. And even then, you're banking a lot on Joel and Beat's health, which is always kind of risky. And Ben Simmons not being, you know, kind of a flawed star. So I I would agree that. Flawed is being nice about it. That, that is, it's a diplomatic way to say uh, other things. But I would say, in general, they probably still have a pretty high ceiling. But it, and it also, again, on top of that, are people believers in Brett Brown? Like it seems like he's just kind of kept around because Elton Brand doesn't want to let him go, or ownership doesn't want to let him go. Like I, I don't know if I believe in him. I don't know if I'm a big believer in. Uh, Nate McMillan, like he he's a good-ish coach, but I I think a lot of Pacers fans don't have, you know, great feelings about him for one reason or another. And you know, for Boston kind of circling back around there, Giannis is gonna eat Enos Cantor alive in the playoffs. It's gonna be silly how often he dunks all over him. Like it's just if everybody thought that what Giannis did to Gobert was awful to watch and by awful i mean awful in the sense of a train wreck yeah awful in the sense of like a train wreck is awful but you can't look away from it because it's just so horrifying for the other guy that's gonna be Giannis against Cantor times 100 it's gonna be horrible for him so i i I have no concerns about boston even if all their guys kind of hit their max like you think tatum's gonna get out of kobe brain mode i don't think so Jalen Brown, I mean, you know, I don't want to call him Jeff Green. I've seen other people call him Jeff Green, so I'm just going to give it up to them. But there's really nobody besides the Raptors, if Kawhi comes back, that I am worried about whatsoever.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely, if Kawhi comes back, I'm Toronto's only team that's like, okay, they are a legitimate threat to Milwaukee. Philly, it, the weird thing with Philly is I understand not keeping Jimmy Butler because of the usage. But if there's one thing that Jimmy Butler can do, is you saw it in the game seven, Toronto. He was the only guy that could do anything offensively for Philly. And they don't have that anymore. Like, Embiid is a talented player, but are you like, he's not going to be someone that you give the ball to and say, do something for us, because the other team's going to be able to just shut it down really quickly. Tobias Harris, he's a nice guy to have, but he's not really that guy that you give. Like, there's no one on Philly that I would give the ball to and say, get us a basket and B would be your closest thing. And who knows what mb's status is going to be. Jimmy Butler was that guy. You're also going to keep Jimmy Butler, but then you lose JJ Reddick. So now you have no shooting. So I don't know who's going to be the shooter for Philly. Like Tobias Harris is your best shooter out of that starting lineup, I guess maybe. Oh, Josh Richardson can't shoot.
0: Yeah. He yeah. They're, shoot. Yeah. They're, they're putting a lot of stock and maybe it'll prove to be the right bet to make, but they're putting a lot of stock in Josh Richardson, which, I don't really know his game that well. I'm going to be upfront about that, but I've read around to obviously pretty good three point shooter. I think he shot 35% last year, but I think he also didn't have nearly as much spacing as he might have in Philly. And I've also read he's a really good defender. So you're right that they're going to be an awesome defensive team, but you're also 1000% right that they might struggle to score 90 points a night and it'll be comical to watch
1: yeah and i and yeah the boston's i think boston brooklyn is going to be the four five matchup that i'm going to love because even without kevin durant i think brooklyn is still in a better position this year like they're going to be a little bit better I, they can get a five seed i, yeah, think I the regular because the regular season is going to matter as much and they still have dinwiddie and lavert and he's have jared allen who i think is going to make a big leap next year you still have those guys I don't know what they're going to do with Joe Harris. If they keep him, great. If they don't, cool. Hey, Milwaukee, do your work. But I think Brooklyn's not going to be in too bad of a position next year. Like They're they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're a five-seed. I think they beat Boston in the first round, and it's going to be hilarious to dance on the Celtics' grave. But I'd say if I had to power rank the East, Milwaukee's number one, Phillies two, Kawhi, doesn't come back to Toronto, then Toronto's three, like three or four. Boston's four, Brooklyn's five, Indy six, and then I really don't know. Really, the bottom of the East, sure. Orlando, Miami. I guess Miami would make the playoffs now. I put Miami at seven, and then I don't even care who's number eight because it's not going to be a good team
0: at all. No, well, I, and I think again we should reiterate, like you know, I, I'm being hubristic right now because I'm annoying, but. I think we should say that a lot of these teams, they're really exciting because there's not going to be a lot that separates them. I don't think. And while I still think Milwaukee is head and shoulders above everybody else, like it's going to be, you know, all these top five teams have some sort of claim on being like a contender in the East. And once you get past like Orlando, Detroit, Miami, then it gets a little wishy-washy, but when you look at that and then you look over in the West as well, which as every season looks to be like, it's going to be pretty stacked top to bottom. Like there's a lot of interesting teams out West now as well. Um, I I think overall what we're getting at here is the chaos of free agency. We love it. We revel in it. And because of the way things worked out for golden state, it's going to be a wide open season and it's going to be a lot of fun. And we can only hope it ends with the bucks championship. And I think, the way things have worked out is open up the door wide open for the Bucks as long as Kawhi goes West.
1: Yep, I fully agree. And in terms of other teams in the league, I, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of the movement is going to affect the Eastern Conference until Kawhi makes a decision. Like I feel like all these moves are going to affect the Eastern Conference while the West is... Everyone seems to have the team locked in other than the Lakers. You know, Golden State... You're gonna have Steph and Draymond, but don't have Clay until the end of the season. Houston, if they don't slit each other's throat by the end of the season, they are going <laughs> to be there. Yeah, and I hope they fail because watching Houston get in a piss poor mood has been my new favorite thing. Yeah. Um, Utah, they did. They actually were. They made some solid moves. Game by calmly, you know. Utah did it all right. Portland kind of. Stood pap when they except they have their sign and trade to get Hassan Whiteside, Denver, pretty much bringing back. Like a lot of teams in the West are just bringing the band back together or you're the sons and you're making terrible decisions like the Ricky Rubio contract
0: and the Frank Kaminsky contract. Shout out my boyfriend Kaminsky. I thought the Wisconsin great was coming home, but nope. The Suns oh, stole. I'm yeah. sorry, but, sorry, Badger fans. My bad. I'm sorry, but well, we got you. Here. know, the There's demographics
1: for Badger fans probably have a retirement home over in Phoenix.
0: Yeah, it's true. That's probably one of the leading factor in the decision. Uh, from who's the is James Jones the GM there? I yeah, know. I think so. Well, whoever yeah. whoever the GM is there, I mean, that was probably a leading factor. They did the research, so good on the Suns for whatever the hell they're doing. Shout out that to those is...
1: guys. That's good researcher. Yeah, definitely knowing your market. Good job. Um, Kings, they're fine. The Knicks are – I don't even know what to say about the Knicks. (laughs)
0: That's
1: all that needs to be said. This is the lowest point for them, right? Like how – this has to be the most embarrassing thing. You had all the tanking, all the bad, bad play, but at least you can hinge your hopes on – you probably could get KD. You might get Kyrie. You hope that you can get the first pick in Zion. Well, you don't get the first pick. That's unfortunate, but whatever. You can still get KD, and even if KD gets hurt, that's fine. You still can sign him, but you don't even offer him the max? Yeah. What are you doing?
0: That the league hasn't forced Dolan out as the owner of the Knicks is completely inexplicable to me, and I have to imagine they have to be pushing hard for him to sell because it is a travesty. Like... You know, maybe he for older the in sports, he might be. And for older fans, maybe there's more dislike for the Knicks. But you know, when the Knicks were kind of in the mix with Carmelo and they had Linsanity and just weird teams, like it was, was kind of fun with the Knicks around. So I, I hope they're able to work it out because I don't think they're as insufferable as the Lakers are. So having one of the league's marquee teams just kind of, like, like I said, in the mix. It would be welcome, but it looks like we are a far way away from that. uh, Both this season, next season, any season within the 21st century, if they're continuing on their current trajectory.
1: Yeah. As long as Dolan owns the Knicks, that franchise has no chance at being successful. Nope. It's tough. He might be the worst owner in all sports. And I'm trying to think of a worse one. And it's pretty tough. And I'm just talking about running the team to be competitive, not in terms of morals itself, because there's probably 90% of the NFL that takes that title.
0: Probably. Yes.
1: But yeah, I don't know. It, either way. Good luck. New York fans. Yeah. I wouldn't, I would agree. They're not as insufferable because I think they've been, they've been humbled. They've been embarrassed. <laughs> they've been humbled. Now it's just, they've been humbled. Like they might've been annoying, especially with Mel, but I think, yeah, I think they've had, they've, They've knocked down a peg, unlike yeah. the Lakers, who they think they're entitled. But either way, the last thing we can talk about, I guess, is going to be summer league. Woo. Woo! And the Lockheed does have the official roster. So I'm pretty excited for it just because A, it's going to be a team that wins one game.
0: Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't think there's
1: anything more. And I'll get to the second reason. But here is the roster. Sterling Brown, Elijah Bryant, TJ Klein, Chris Clyburn, Bob Z, Matt Farrell, who we briefly mentioned last time, Johnny Hamilton, Dalton Holmes, Jock Landale, Zach Lofton, Fletcher McGee, Luke May, who I still don't think is an NBA player.
0: (laughs) An all-time podcast moment. (laughs) All-time Luke May. Go up in the rafters. That's an all-time. Uh,
1: Xavier Munford comes back. John Tucker and DJ Wilson. So that is the roster. One person that we thought was going to be yeah, on there. Yeah, let's get into isn't, it. Isn't, is Giannis's brother, Thanasis. And I'm only going to mention this because Matt Velasquez had a 10 out of 10 tweet. And I loved every moment of it. Here's what he said. A lot of people are asking about Thanasis not be on the Bucks' Summer league roster. I don't know anything about that because I've never reported. He would be
0: <laughs> that the fire
1: Great, Just be, he was like, you know what? I don't know. I didn't say he was going to be there. Stop bothering me. I'm trying to enjoy my vacation. <laughs> I've had a very stressful 24 hours.
0: I don't remember where it even came from. Like it, I think the, the beauty of the post draft, madness is literally anybody with like 30 followers could put it like oh this guy's gonna be on the summer league team what do i know to say no to that guy so like everybody immediately ran with it and you know i guess it would have been cool but you're right that there was besides some random dude on twitter i don't think there was anything else beyond it and besides speaking it into existence uh I guess it's a little strange that it's we get the roster and he's not there, but uh, not super-duper strange because he's already an established guy overseas in Europe. So uh, you're right that it's strange, but uh, Summer League. So does it really matter? Really?
1: Yeah, really, it really doesn't matter. Summer League starts this weekend. First game is, I think, like Friday, and then they have a game Saturday, then Monday, and then play China the next Wednesday. So probably by the next time we record, Summer League will have ended. They all have won one game. I will still be in shock that Luke may is an NBA player. And I think that's all we really need to talk about it. Dante is also still definitely healthy and too good for summer league.
0: Yeah, I thought they said in the release that he might be available. But I, I think as we covered last week, there's pretty good chance that he's not going to be there because he's already a proven NBA vet, as we all know. Exactly. Exactly. I I think I I do want to give one shout out on the summer league roster. I'm not sure about any of the guys who went undrafted. They're all kind of interesting in their own ways. Shout out Xavier Munford. That guy has been grinding with the organization these past two seasons. And given the relative lack of depth at point guard, like, you know, Tim Frazier going on, I, I think it would be really awesome story if he finally broke through because he he grounded in the with the herd he had a two-way he did some team usa like qualifiers for fiba um so i think you know shout out to that guy he hasn't given up on his nba dream and yeah, i'm rooting for him to break through just because you know when you have that kind of commitment to an organization you kind of just hope it works out for the guy
1: for sure and maybe he'll be the new travis trice
0: yeah. Well, hopefully he gets a little bit more than that and actually yeah.
1: just better a better version.
0: Yes. And actually, uh, I don't know if we need to mention it, but, uh, Giannis went MVP last week. We, we, uh, we forgot to mention that the award show was happening the day after the podcast dropped and, uh, Giannis went home with MVP coach, bud coach of the year and John Horst, executive of the year. Kyle, any reaction to those things?
1: All of it was wonderful. Giannis' speech I truly is would say it's a must watch. It was emotional. It was great. Must watch speech from Yas and congrats to all three of them.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty much there. I think it's, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if I told this before, but that year, that draft, I was kind of like, that was the first year I was really into the draft and I didn't know anything about Giannis, So when we drafted him, I was with my brother at a B-dubs because where the hell else are you going to be? And I was like, oh my God, I've never heard of this guy before. This is the worst ever. I am glad Giannis shut me all the way the hell up. I'm super happy for him. He's obviously you know, the best thing that happened in this franchise in you know, freaking 50, 60 years. So uh, congrats to him. Congrats to Bud. Congrats to Horace. A reminder how great last season was. And even if it didn't end on the highest note, a lot of enjoyable moments and uh, definitely one to be remembered for a long time. And hopefully it's the first of many MVPs for Giannis and many MVPs in Milwaukee. And I think it will be, so we get we can end on that high note if you want.
1: I agree. We'll end on that. Um, I don't know where to record next unless something breaking happens. So summer
0: league recap incoming next week. We ought to have it. Come on.
1: We probably will because why not? <laughs> it might, it might take a while, but we will have it because we'll hit the dog days in summer. So adam who's not here thanks everyone for listening um have a good and safe fourth of july weekend and we will talk to you next
0: time on the streets of old milwaukee was a young boy walking